Well, I heard this this week and it stopped me in my tracks. Your face is the billboard of your mind. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, welcome into 48 Days Radio Show. Our business partners today are FreshBooks and Casper. You can claim your month-long unrestricted free trial with FreshBooks. No credit card required. Just go to freshbooks.com slash 48 days. Enter 48 days in the how did you hear about a section. Also, Casper, you can get $50 toward your selected mattress by visiting casper.com slash sleepyoulove and use the promo code sleepyoulove at checkout. Well, we have a ton of questions today. They keep rolling in. You know, I listen to a lot of podcasts and often when I hit the treadmill, you know, I look for a couple that are 30 minutes in length so I can listen to them both and go on my way. I question sometimes having a podcast that's 48 minutes, but then when I see the volume of questions that are being asked, I think, how can I reasonably reduce the length of it? And in hearing from you, the surveys we've done continue to support the idea of 48 minutes. So we're going to cram as much in as we can in that period of time. I won't get to everything today by any means. I have 31 pages of notes. But I, I've got some things highlighted. I'm going to pimple those out. Hopefully have some things that will be helpful, encouraging, even though some of the questions are pretty challenging today. Here's some of the ones we'll be looking at. Dan, I'm proud to say I can live and work like no one else. Now that probably rings a note of familiarity for those of you who are Dave Ramsey followers as well. But uh, we got a story from somebody who's beginning to do that. Live and work like no one else. Dan, am I crazy to consider moving back into the traditional employment model? How about this one? This is going to get the, the prize for the most unique input for the day. A can opener is completely useless in an apple orchard. Now stick around. I'm going to read you the note from that gentleman. A can opener is completely useless in an apple orchard. He makes a really strong point with that. Some of you may resonate with as well. Well, here's another. Dan, I firmly believe that I'm more valuable than I'm getting paid. How about this? I, I work full time still in the banking mortgage industry, but I feel a need to get going in ministry again. You know, I'm going to jump all over that. And here's one. I'm working as a full-time professional mental health counselor. In the last three years, I've been sicker than ever, more stressed than ever, burned out, depressed, and have lost energy and passion for the things I was previously highly motivated and devoted my time and energy toward. It has been a rat race to the bottom of emotional depletion. This is somebody who's trying to make it work as a full-time mental health counselor. It's been a rat race to the bottom of emotional depletion. Well, here's our quotation for today. Uh, this actually is uh, just one of mine uh, that's been pulled out. People pull things out of my books and kind of remind me what I said. So this kind of has application today. Work must provide the opportunity for spiritual and personal growth as well as financial success. The irony is that if it does not provide all three, there will be a natural 
pressure to keep the financial rewards low. The search for money alone will always be self-defeating. Now think about that for a little bit because I see this played out. I hear from people who are just having the life sucked out of them. Their soul is dry, depressed, discouraged, and all, and yet they're trying to make a paycheck. It just is counterintuitive. It doesn't work together like that way. It's impossible to continue trying to make a paycheck if it's not feeding you spiritually and personally as well. Now, I know there are temporary situations that we all go through. And if you're in one of those, you know, hopefully it won't be very long, but you got to be planning for that time when you can come back to the point where it does blend your spiritual and personal growth and generating income as well. It's short-lived to try to find just a paycheck. So our call to action today, and I'll give this again at the end of the podcast today, but the call to action is going to be what work model fits you best. There's no right or wrong. Just choose what makes the most sense for you. All right. Now I want to talk a little bit about our sponsors here. You know that Joanne and I love sleeping on a Casper mattress. I mean, we're told that you spend one third of your life sleeping. So you better be comfortable. We don't want to be, Joanne and I don't want to just be comfortable. We want to wake up in the morning feeling energized, restored, refreshed, and ready to go. And that's a really important part of how we're able to function well during the day is how we sleep at night. So the experts at Casper have made a quality sleep surface that cradles your natural geometry in all the right places. I mean, my goodness, I see things out there like 20,000 reviews with an average of 4.8 stars across Amazon, Google. I mean, Casper is obviously one of the internet's favorite mattresses. Talk to the people in the 40 Days community who have already purchased one. Golly, we had a young couple who just got married who that was their gift to each other was getting a Casper mattress. Now, what a smart move to start your marriage off with a really great mattress. Joanne and I didn't do that. We kind of got by with cheapos for many years until we discovered the value of having a mattress. And of course, now for several years, it's been a Casper, nothing else. Well, Casper cuts out the middleman, sells directly to you. That way it makes it a whole lot cheaper, delivered right to your front door. You can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. So, just you can get $50 toward select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash sleepyoulove and then use sleepyoulove at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. And after you're finished listening to this episode, sponsored by Casper, check out Casper the Podcast, sponsored by Casper. It's an entire podcast about Casper, sponsored by Casper, available now on Apple Podcast. Well, I also want to tell you about my friends at FreshBooks. You know that I'm a biggie on this. You know doing the accounting is not one of my most favorite parts of having a small business. So whether you're self-employed, have a business of your own, or an employee, any of those, doesn't matter what you're doing. Golly, it's important to keep your books straight. So do yourself a huge favor. Stop digging before you completely disappear under that abyss of paperwork that I know can be there. Just go and check out FreshBooks cloud accounting software. Not only is it going to save you a ton of time and stress, it might actually change the way you feel about dealing you know, with your taxes. So right now, just 
FreshBooks is offering that 30-day unrestricted free trial to the 48 Days listeners. To claim it, go to FreshBooks.com slash 48 Days and enter 48 Days in the How Did You Hear About Us section. All right, now, we're good. I've got some good news here. I'm going to go through quickly some good news things, but I love to include those. And uh, then we go, we'll go into the challenging questions. Dan, I noticed lately there have been several people that are going through the midlife part of their lives, scarred or scared and discouraged that they cannot find work or a career change. I hope this motivates some of your older listeners. I turned 54 at the end of this month. Almost two years ago, I failed a securities test, series six and 63, that would have helped me in my business. I fell into depression and figured I was going to work at my job beyond retirement and eventually die as someone's employee. Recently, I started listening to your podcast again, as well as other inspiring podcast books and speakers. I decided I'm not finished. I plan to retake that test and keep taking it till I pass. I started writing a book and success stories from the people I've met over the years and plan to finish it. Today, I wrote out my month by month vision for this year and even wrote things down where I would like to be in five years. I started a prison ministry about a year ago and keep in touch with 12 inmates. I also want to see that grow. I'm at the halftime in my life and really excited about the future. Thanks for sharing your optimism and knowledge with all of us who tune in your podcast. Well, Greg, thanks for your note of encouragement and optimism about what you're going to do. Well, here's another story. This comes from Provo, Utah, where a guy overcame a prison past. He just graduated from Brigham Young University with a law degree. He's an attorney. Finished three years of law school. Boom. Well, I'm going to go through this. Just scan the details. 37-year-old said drug use, including an addiction, led to a life of crime and multiple arrests in his late teens and early 20s. I was really angry, he says. Before you know it, you're engulfed in this criminal world. So he got sentenced to 96 months in prison when he was 23 years old. But while he was in prison, he had a chance to work with the prison dentist And he saw the value of being able to help other people. So he had, because of good behavior, he had his sentence was shortened to six years. He returned home with the desire to change the world for the better, got a job in road construction, got his undergraduate degree from Utah Valley University. Then he decided to apply for law school. Well, he has 12 felonies on his criminal record. And he's applying for a law school. Well, you know what he was told from most schools. You know, one school told him specifically, you're not coming to our law school. But his application to BYU landed in the desk of Marie Kubeth, who worked as director of admissions at the time. And she really struggled with it and finally decided after talking to this guy, there was extensive interviews, but accepted this young guy in 2015. So he went through, he now has a job in the public defender's office. He sees, he says, whenever he hears chains coming in, it still makes him cringe because it's such a a familiar sound of having chains on him. But anyway, he went through, got his law degree, and now he's got an opportunity to serve other people well. What a cool story. You know, I love these stories of new beginnings. One of the things that I often tell people, it's, it's never too late to have a new beginning. Uh, speaking of which, Roxanne, a couple weeks ago, we had a question from Roxanne. She said she's 56 and uh, has a job making money, but the stress is getting to me and affecting my home life, marriage. I can't seem to move forward. Well, she made some changes. Boom, boom, boom. She's 
taken some steps. Uh, we gave her some steps to do just a month or so ago. And she said she went back and she got the new version of 48 Days to the Work You Love. Uh, she's listening to the 48 Days podcast and joined the 48 Days Eagles group. And in there, she's getting a whole lot of advice, resources, things shared with her and is ready to go. So she said, I started looking inward, reading Acres of Diamonds, revisiting uh, the 48 Days podcast, listening to other people like Ken Coleman. Ken does the Entree Leadership um, podcast the Dave, through the Dave Ramsey organization. Digging deep and brainstorming more of my skills, talents, and abilities. I studied resources available through the Eagles membership, like your book, Right to the Bank. Uh, I've always enjoyed writing, helping people in the world's needs writers. She goes through saying this is what she's going to do. She says, because of Dave Ramsey and people like you, Dan Miller, proud to say I can live and work like no one else. I know I still have a ways to go, but now I feel so much better about myself. Thank you. Sincerely, Roxanne. Well, Roxanne, this is May 2018. You know what? I'd love to get an update in December. Let's just do that. I mean, let's just pull the calendar forward. You give us an update in December about what has happened. I know with the clarity that you've gotten, the excitement, the energy, and the support of the 48 Days Eagles community, boy, you can rock it. But I want to get that update and know specifically what you've been able to do. Now, there's a company out there that is showing people how they can grow more lettuce in a little tiny corner of your room than on a half acre of land. Now, this is, as a means of tackling world hunger, innovative agricultural company, Aggressively Organic, has developed Plant Pods, a micro-gardening system. Now, what they do is, they, you can get the vision, it's just a little plant, and it, instead of being in a whole lot of dirt, it's in water. You only need to water it every few weeks. And planting lettuce in the ground, I didn't know this, requires roughly 25 gallons of water to grow. The pods, on the other hand, only require about 16 ounces. So there's a dramatic reduction in the water required to grow plants hydroponically like this. Anyway, a great idea, aggressively organic. They're not only wanting this to be convenient for people who live in apartments and all that, but they really wanted to address world hunger. So check it out. Support what they're doing. You may want to grow some some things in in your in a small space as well to cut down, reduce your grocery expenses. Well, here's a cool story. This is about a four-year-old superhero. It says he's a caped crusader of kindness with the sweetest superpower. Now, his name is Austin Perrine. This kid is four years old. He's created an entire superhero identity out of feeding the homeless. Every week, the four-year-old from Birmingham, Alabama, uses his allowance to buy a bag full of sandwiches and sodas so he can hand them out to the homeless. And he does it all while wearing a little caped Superman uniform. When asked what his superhero name is, he simply says, President Austin. Well, what happened? They were watching uh, National Geographic uh, documentary and there was a story about a panda mother who ignored her newborn baby and they were talking about it and daddy was explaining how that little baby was homeless he said what does that mean well when you don't have a mommy or daddy to go to and just living out wherever you can find a place of shelter and the little boy says you know are there people like that 
Well, his dad said, yes, as a matter of fact, there are. That ignited this little boy's desire to help the homeless. So what he does, he takes his allowance. There's a cute little video where he takes his allowance and he buys chicken sandwiches and drinks. And then he races through the homeless area and decides who he's going to give those to. And his motto is, don't forget to show love. Let me, I got a little clip here of him saying this. Somebody thanking him and him saying, thank, show love. Oh, thank you, baby. You're welcome. Don't forget to show love. <laughs> there you go. Four-year-old, don't forget to show love. What a cool thing to be passing that around and become kind of a hero in that community. And he tells people he's, he's, he tells people that he's doing what the president ought to do. Now his mom and dad kind of, you know, just went with the plan. They just allowed him to go with his, uh, what he's doing, but, uh, Hey, maybe he'll, uh, actually he'll be eligible to run for president in the 2052 presidential election. All right. Well, one more note here. This, I'm not, I don't know if this is good news or not, but in China, there's a new emotional surveillance system that aims to help managers identify signs of workers' distress. So there are sensors embedded into the workers' helmets and hats that transmit brainwaves to a computer. From there, algorithms crunch the data to identify strong emotions like anxiety or rage. When the system issues a warning, the manager asks the worker to take a day off or move to a less critical post. Now, what do you think about that? Would you, would you like to have, be wearing a hat where it would radiate out your emotions, what you're thinking? Are you angry, happy, sad, discouraged, frustrated, angry? Whoa. Wow. I mean, it's one of those big brothers watching kind of things, but at the same time, if it can help identify those kind of challenges, yeah, maybe it's a positive thing in the workplace. I don't know. Let me, let me know what you think. Well, here I, in, in the opening, I identified that, um, oh, I said it this week. I heard your face is a billboard of your mind. I want to tell you where that came from. There's a local church here where they use the 48 days to the work you love materials for seminars. So people have gone through re- recently. It was recently I connected with this recently. Joanne and I stopped at local taco, a great eating place in Brentwood and just for lunch, Joanne's sister was with us. We had just spent time with grandkids at the zoo. Anyway, be- I mean, just as we were getting out of the car, somebody came out of this establishment, local taco to meet us, identified himself, said he had just been through recognized us, I guess, and said he had just been through 48 days to the work you love at his church and talked about what a profound impact it had had on him. And he went on and on about the clarity that he's gotten and what he's doing. And it was really cool to hear his story. Well, I wanted to, and then we ate there and we had a long leisurely lunch there. And finally I told our waitress, I said, well, you know, I need to get my ticket and because we need to, to leave. And she said, well, no, that's been taken care of. Well, the young man who had met us and talked to us as an employee there had obviously taken care of. And I wanted to send him a note of gratitude for that. So I contacted the church where he said he had attended the 48 Days to the Working Love seminar and asked them to help me track him down. Well, they immediately knew who I was talking about from my description, gave me his address. I sent him a note. But I also asked the lady who had helped coordinate the class about plans I knew she had in developing her own business. And she said, it's funny that you ask. May 17th is my last day working my current job because she's 
building her own business and her business is baseyogafitness.com. Now this is really cool. She helps people work on their face to give their face a more pleasant, relaxed, joyful look. And she says, I often tell my daughters that your face is the billboard of your mind. She's building a practice based on helping people make their faces more pleasant because it is such a reflection of who you are. I mean, think about when you see somebody and they have a furrowed eyebrow, their furrowed forehead. I mean, what does that tell you? I mean, our faces obviously do tell a whole lot about us. Well, just a neat story and a neat business. She is building a business. You can go check it out, faceyogafitness.com. But it's cool to see that kind of business where somebody is building it around a unique idea like that, a positive thing for sure, helping people out and having a lot of fun in the process and being able to leave her current job May 17th. Wow. Coming up soon. Now this came from one of our uh, coaching mastery participants and, um, Mike has been going through developing his own coaching business and so on and so forth. Well, he says, a couple months ago, I was approached by my kid's private school about a position. Now, I'm going to shorten here. What happened in that this private school offered him a position that would be in the low six figures, so over $100,000, but a, a really unique position that fits him really, really well. Now, Mike came out of the military and he said that he recognizes that since leaving the army, I've grown to miss some of the traditional work model of stability and development of relationships in the workplace. And this particular opportunity that he's just been offered would be rewarding and fun. So here's his dilemma. Should he take this position while he's spent time having come out of the military, building his own personal coaching practice. And he's questioned to the rest of the group in coaching mastery. Do you think I'd be crazy to consider moving back into the traditional employee model? <clears throat> well, we got like always a ton of great input from other people who are uh, participants you are coaches in the coaching mastery program right now. And I wrote back that I always look for and options rather than either or. So I said, in this case, I think the school job is calling loudly. I mean, that seems to clearly be the best fit and the most attractive for you right now. And I referenced the idea that he said he misses some of the traditional work model stability. And yes, I think you could allow it and, in this position, it would position you and allow you to re-engage with your coaching, to grow your coaching and speaking. Uh, with a growing family, I wouldn't even recommend an aggressive building phase for your coaching, but rather know that coaching and speaking fit you well, and you may decide to dedicate five or 10 hours a week in that area, just as a pleasant compliment. So moving back into the traditional employment model is not a negative thing. You now have the luxury of more information than most people ever have about what truly fits you well. You get to choose from the full spectrum of possibilities and make of an informed selection. Wow. I mean, I love that framing of that. I love the insight and clarity that he's gotten, but I, I want to make it clear. There's not a 
move toward one particular model. I mean, people often think that as I talk about entrepreneurship, doing things on your own, being in control of your time and income, that that's the desired goal. That if you really get it together, you're going to quit a job and move into doing something on your own. No, not at all. The What I want, even when people are going through job searches, is for them to explore the broad continuum of possibilities so they know the options, so they don't feel confined by one narrow choice. I mean, to just put out a resume and hope to get hired in a position where they pay you for 40 hours and you get insurance taken care of, you know, in two weeks vacation. That's a very narrow model. I mean, today we have independent contractors, freelancers, entrepreneurs. I mean, we get a whole broad spectrum of work models with Mike's experience in a variety of these. He now has the informed opportunity to make a choice that really fits him well. Hey, I hope that's true for all of you. Well, this comes from from a gentleman. I don't his initial is D. I'm not sure what his name is, but this is this is the prize for the most intriguing question of the week, without any doubt. I'm not even sure how to respond to this. Uh, some of you can um, give me some input on this and help me know know what I should respond or how you would respond to this gentleman. So here's the deal. He says, you will never be valued in the wrong environment. A can opener is completely useless in an apple orchard. That doesn't mean the apple orchard is a bad place or that the can opener has no value. But the can opener needs to find cans and people who need to open cans. If the can opener stays in the apple orchard too long, it will begin to feel worthless and it will become frozen with rust, unused and unappreciated. Someone will find it years later buried in the fertile soil and wonder what the decayed clump of metal used to be. I'm a can opener in an apple orchard, and I suspect many of your readers and listeners are too. Thank you for trying to help us find our way. I'm going to just leave it at that. I love how poetic that is. A can opener is completely useless in an apple orchard. Some of you can take off on that. Some of you who may be um, more eloquent with semantics (laughs) to provide a response to that. I feel like this is the beginning of a story. You know, I feel like this is the beginning of a novel. Uh, A can opener is completely useless in the apple orchard. Well, if you feel like that, I trust that you are getting insight and seeking out the wisdom of others to help you figure out how to be put to use how to be part of the orchard or how to find some cans that need to be open, whatever the metaphor may be in your case. But I love just uh, how poetic that was. Thanks for your contribution, at least to continue our thinking here. All right, Robert says, I see lots of things I enjoy doing, but I can't seem to see a clear path to create a platform around any of them. I have a question about finding my niche for a new platform to build some side income to leave my current day job. I love to teach and learn. I'm a Christian university math instructor. Married with two kids, seven and three. My wife is a nurse. Recently, I discovered Dave Ramsey, where we worked hard to get out of debt. Together, we paid off 41000 and built a $21,000 emergency fund in 25 months. Boy, that's great. That's a big turnaround. 
paid off 41000 and saved 21000 A $62,000 turnaround in 25 months, two years. Awesome. Congratulations. To this end, I picked up some extra money reselling on eBay and Amazon. I want to build authority in people's lives to be a trusted and valued advisor for people in my church since I love to teach. So I think a blog or a podcast is a good way to start, but I have no idea what my niche is, what the topics would be. And then um, Robert goes on and lists a variety of options that he could do. Now, here I, I want to, instead of going through all those options, then you have a lot, which is a great starting point. My pop problems would be solving who is my customer. I have no idea. It seems like I have so many ideas, but I can't see any good reason to pick one in particular. My number one strength on strength finders is analytical and I find I get stuck looking for the truth or best option and can't start. Okay. That's a real critical part. That's a real critical part right there. Robert is that you're on the right path with what you're doing. I encourage people to come up with 20 ideas, 20 things that would be possibilities that you could do, but here's how you filter those down. Go back to the core components in 48 Days to the Work You Love, where you identify your unique skills and abilities, your personality tendencies, your values, dreams, and passions. Those are what allow you to create a filter by which to then measure those 20 ideas. So you should be able to, knowing yourself well, narrow those ideas from 20 down to three or four, where you say, wow, these really fit me well. And then do a little bit more research, but don't do, don't let this be a forever kind of process. I mean, this is a 48 day process to identify all those ideas, get the advice and opinion of other people, know yourself well, identify what are the three or four best ones, do a little bit more research and then choose the best one and act. You already say that as an analytical, you get stuck, you know, that's it's paralysis by analysis. You know, you can't just keep gathering more information or exploring more possibilities. You have to draw a line in the sand. And I would encourage you just use the 48 days time frame as such. Identify these things. Balance those against what you know about yourself. Choose three or four, but do a little bit more research and choose one and act. It's not that the others are wrong or that you can never circle back around to those at all. Not at all. You may have other things that three years from now you want to come back and do, but you need a clear plan with a clear focus for the next three years where you aren't second guessing yourself or just trying something, sticking your toe in it and doing, you can't get any traction that way. Commit yourself to doing something for three years. And there are a lot of great ideas in the list that you have here. So it's not a matter of having the ability and it's not even a matter of identifying there's only one that really is a right fit. No, you could choose eight or 10 ideas that you already have. And no, I mean, I've always approached new seasons in my own life like that. I know there are a lot of things that I could do that I would feel really fulfilled in doing. I would enjoy doing them and they could be profitable. So that's not really the issue. It's just a matter of if it's going to work, then I have to narrow down, put my focus into one something and do that well. Steven says, I've been toying with the flea market off and on for 30 years. I've learned a lot about how to make money, what to do, what not to do. Practical information like the average person is only going to sell about 10% of their booth. So if you make the mistake of taking only taking a thousand dollars worth of merchandise, you can only expect to sell a thousand, a hundred dollars. So if the booth rental is 75, you've made a whopping 25. 
Wow, probably not even that if you take the cost out of what you sold for $100. My question is, do you think there's enough interest in how to make money at the flea market to make it worth my time to make an ebook? If so, how would people uh, find it? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's a cool idea. Now, one of the things you want to do, and when you're selling a little ebook, you, you want to make it such an appealing title that people say immediately, wow, I have to have that. So you have, you come up with some kind of a title, you know, how to make, how to make uh, $236 in the first 10 minutes after the flea market opens. I mean, I don't know. I mean, come up with something that's just really engaging, then actually do show how to do that. But come up with a really interesting title like that. Now, you can put an ebook up on Amazon where people who are searching for keywords are going to find it. So you can do that with no cost. I mean, that's a great way to get it out there. I mean, you can put something like that you could put on Craigslist. You have no cost to do that. You can experiment with a little Facebook advertising or just put post on Facebook, do a, do a little video, you know, do a two minute video about this that gives people a free checklist that then leads into your little ebook. A lot of ways to do that. Yeah, absolutely. You can, you can make that work. David says, Dan, I've, this is, I receive your daily emails and have your book 48 days to the work you love. Well, we don't send daily emails. You know, that's, that's interesting. I mean, I know people who do. I know people who send six emails a day to people. We don't do that. We send one email a week that informs people about the newsletter that I put out. Sometimes another one about a blog post that I put up or something of interest that I want you to know about. But that that's it. Well, anyway, so... Um, David says, I've worked in the banking mortgage industry for 25 plus years. During all of that time, my wife and I were bivocational pastors for several small churches in our area. After several years of this type of ministry, we resigned in 2013 from a small church uh, due to very, very, due to, this is a nice way of saying we parted ways, due to a variant outlook from other church leadership regarding vision, outreach, and church governance. All right, I get the picture. I can I can already feel what it was like to come to that decision. After resting and being nourished for these past four plus years, I have started a master's counseling program at a local Christian university. My question is this. I feel I need to get going in ministry again. I still work full time in the banking mortgage industry, but I'm frankly burned out. I don't have a seminary degree or divinity degree. I feel vastly underqualified to pastor in a healthy, nourishing manner. As a side note, but completely relevant, my passion is helping to assist people who have experienced burnout in ministry, like my family has, and also counseling young men from adolescent age to 20s, early 30s. I'd appreciate any advice or direction you could give me. David, one of the things, I want to help you soften this artificial dichotomy between working in a regular job and ministry please recognize the reality and value of marketplace ministry. Now, I'm not going to tell you to stay in the banking industry if you're burned out there, but do I think you can be full-time in the banking industry and be full-time involved in ministry? Absolutely. You can, if you're skilled in banking, you can use that as your vehicle for effectively ministering to people. I mean, think about 
the opportunities you have to walk through challenging times, exciting times, people buying their first house, people going through a challenging, people wanting to start a business. I mean, there's all kinds of times where your desire to help people to coach, counsel, minister to them could be played out in a banking environment. Now, if that's not what you want to do, find something else. But it doesn't have to be standing behind a pulpit on Sunday. And in your case, it sounds like you say that's not even a good fit for you. So figure out what your next career move is going to be confident that whatever that is, it can embrace your desire to be in ministry. This next week, I have a guest that's going to be uh, coming into our mastermind group. Uh, His name is Mike Shero. He's president of C12. It's an organization of groups around the country where business leaders get together and share ideas and resources. People who are Christian, C12, it's groups of 12 people. Now, I, I, I well, you, you have to be generating a million dollars in your business to be part of one of those groups. So these are not people that are just standing on the street handing out tracts. These are people who are serious about business and serious about their ministry opportunities, marketplace ministry. So uh, give yourself that freedom as you explore what the options are going to be for what you're going to move into next. Chase says, thanks so much for your ongoing uh, work as a listener of the podcast and 48 days book completer. I've been greatly impacted this last year by the wisdom you and the community you've created have shared. I'm a, oh, this, I'm working as a full-time professional mental health counselor, earning roughly $43,000 annually, hourly wages, not salaried. For now, I have health insurance benefits provided by my employer. I've been in this field for three years. And the story, short story is a terrible fit. Now, this is where I've I mentioned in the opening questions uh, with that said in the last three years, I've been sicker than ever, more stressed than ever, burned out, depressed, have lost energy and passion for the things I previously was highly motivated and devoted my time and energy toward. It's been a rat race to the bottom of emotional depletion. Wow. Okay. Now I know there's a lot of questions here. Well, you know what I'm going to do with this? I'm going to do as I did last week with a lengthy question to put it in our 48 days coaching mastery closed group and let the other coaches weigh in on what the viable options are going to be. Now Chase continues. I'm, I'm turning 30 next year. I want to seriously get in the game of creating a pathway toward the future where neither of us, he and his wife has to be tied to a job just to get by. Now, this is this is a real irony where, you know, you're working in the mental health field, but you're so depleted yourself. I mean, how can you be an inspiration, a guide and encourage or someone bringing hope, peace, joy into the lives of people that you're working with? You cannot serve well out of an empty cup. And this goes back to the Jewish model of we serve best out of a full cup on, on the evening of the Sabbath. They have that precious part of the family dinner together where there's a goblet on top of a saucer. They pour wine into the goblet and they it fills up and they continue pouring. So it overflows 
into the saucer below. The meaning being, we're going to go into the workplace this next week. We're going to do what we do with such excellence that we fill our cup with such excellence that we not only fill our cup, but there's an overflow of abundance from which we can share and give abundantly to other people. I mean, you've got to get back to that place where you're serving from a full cup. It involves more than just a short answer here. Thanks for your, thanks for your, um, question for laying that out. And it's a situation I'm sure others feel that they can identify with as well. I'm going to share this internally with our coaching mastery participants, get their wisdom and circle back around with a personal response to you. Anthony says, thanks for all you're doing. In rereading 48 days, you mentioned three key ingredients for success being the ability to plan, organize, and communicate. Could you discuss the ingredient of planning in more detail. For example, do you have any tips or resources on becoming a better planner, specifically steps you would take to plan a new business venture, or perhaps the steps you took to plan for your new book? Wow. Yeah. Great question. I, I love being very intentional about how I use my time. I mean, I work best in doing what I call my major projects, things like writing or creating new courses. I work best in uninterrupted, focused blocks of time. Now for me, that's three or four hours. A lot of people work in shorter segments, you know, and there are plans out there for working, you know, 25 minutes and then taking a break or working 50 minutes and then taking a 10 minute break. A lot of people do that. I like to work in three to four hour segments, but I plan out way in advance how my time is going to be used. I mean, I can look at my calendar now here in May and tell you exactly what on the third Thursday in October I'm going to be doing. It's already on my schedule. I know what I'm going to be working on. So yes, I do believe in that process. One of the things that has really helped a lot of people here in the last year or so is a book titled The 12-Week Year. Get More Done in 12 Weeks and Others Do in 12 Months. It's a process. And and the premise really uh, that Brian lays out in that book is that a year is too long. If we say we want to do something, well, we kind of elusively know we want to do it. And then all of a sudden it's November 15th and we haven't done it because it was on our year plan. He says, if you do that in 12 weeks and then identify what am I going to do each day, each week or whatever, I mean, Kent Julian, in one of our, uh, well, our mastermind call yesterday, he talked about the fact that he wants to spend three hours and 20 minutes every week on his biggest priority project, three hours and 20 minutes. So that means in a 12 week span, he's going to spend 40 hours a full week on that. I love that. I love that kind of intentionality and knowing exactly what it is down to the minute that you're going to do. And so nothing violates that. Even if something else has to go by the wayside, there are emails that need to be responded to or whatever, the yard needs to be mowed. He's going to spend that three hours and 20 minutes on his major priority. So yeah, there are planners, uh, Mike Hyatt's focus planner. I mean, my goal setting process, any of those, you know, any of those Anthony should be able to help you uh, get clear on the planning part of that triad that I see as important. Absolutely. I'm looking here at what to choose in the remaining time that we've got. Um, let, let me grab this one. There's, there's so many here that I don't know where to begin. All right, this comes from 
from gentlemen, I'll just start. Dan, Dan, I'm 50 years old. Most of my life has been plagued with never-ending frustration and failure. I had dreams and plans when I was young to be a helicopter pilot and to live in Hawaii or Florida. I still want this today. My plans for this, join the military, failed. I later felt like God was calling me into min- music ministry. I had a plan for this. It failed as well. I went through depression and suicide while a freshman in college, didn't want to be in school. I later married my first wife after 12 years of ups and downs, hurts and pains, more depression and suicide. The marriage ended in divorce. Now, this goes on with a lot of personal information. Again, I'm obviously not going to give this gentleman's name, and he goes on and on and on about the mistakes he's made and the heartbreak that he has in his life that continues today. Emotional abuse, hanging on by a thread, future doesn't look bright. Been working in the HVAC field for many years now. I'm tired of it. doesn't pay well enough to live in Colorado. It's not what I really want to do. It goes on. There's a lot of discouragement here. Again, this is one that requires a personal response. But here, I wanted to get to the bottom part of this because it's so telling. Is God crushing me so I will do something else? Is it not God at all? And I'm just getting things all wrong. I'm angry, confused, and frustrated. This is very dangerous thinking when we bring God into times of personal misery like this. Now, I I don't want to pretend to be a brilliant theologian, but I don't want to view God in my life as somebody who would treat me like this, or that I would think would want, would cause me, would push me into this kind of a life for any reason. I just can't get my head around that. If I think of God as a father at all, then I would want to look for the qualities I would expect in a physical, biological father. When I think about my own children, would I want them to, would I push them into this kind of a life to try to teach them a lesson or get them to see something else? Not a chance in the world. Not a chance at all. No, I I think you need to leave God out of this. Look at the decisions you've made and make better decisions to move out of the life that you have. Now, when I say leave God out of it, obviously, I think that there's a providential God that cares about you, has a plan for you. But but I, I think that you're on real thin ice theologically here when we pull God in and say he must be crushing me in this way so that I somehow pay attention and move on to something else. Now, especially in a long, long, long period, years and years and years of this. Now, do I think there are times when maybe like uh, the baby eagles in a nest, the mom and dad uh, pull out the padding that made it comfortable in there so the thorns are pretty obvious and it gets uncomfortable in there because they want to encourage the little eagles to get out of the nest? Yeah, I suppose there are things like that that we go through that maybe God allows in some big providential way to get our attention and have us look at something new. But uh, yeah, I, I think you can make, I think you can make decisions, better decisions that'll give you a better life than what you're describing here. Well, wow. We're uh, stuck in time already. Bring that in. Hey, we've got always got lots of resources. You know, I want to keep sharing lots of resources that we've got to help you out one of the things a lot of you want to know how to be a speaker got a brand new resource from kent julian on nine ways to get paid as a speaker if you just go to firstpaidspeech.com slash 48 days i'll put that in the show notes you can get that nine ways to get paid as a speaker 
firstpaidspeech.com slash 48 days. Also, you hear me talk about my daughter Ashley, the delightful life they live. Every day is an adventure. They've been almost two years now living on the road. Just left our place after a month of being here. The grandkids are running around. They're now on the road back up to the northwest to visit the eight states they haven't visited yet. She's got a new webinar, free webinar, talking about their adventures, how you might be planning something like that for your family as well. You can go to 48days.com slash travel and find that. 48days.com slash travel. Check it out. Our call to action, as I said, decide what work model fits you best. There's no right or wrong. Choose what makes the most sense to you. You know enough from listening to this podcast, if nothing else, about the options that are available to you. No one right spot. You have the privilege, the luxury of knowing enough to be able to choose, then create a model, intentional planning, how you're going to use your time. Absolutely, you can make any of those work. Hey, it's always my pleasure, one of the highlights of my week, to come on here, dive into these questions. Thanks for contributing to submit those. Just shoot them in to askdan at 48days.com. And just a quick email to askdan at 48days.com. Keep them short. I have to condense them for here. But I love hearing those and knowing that you are part of this amazing community where we are finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. You can do it too. 